Welcome to the Fizzle Show! Alright! Yeah, we got a good one for you today. We got a good one today! Every Friday, we publish another conversation about the art and science of supporting yourself doing something that you care about. That's what we do on the Fizzle Show, and on this episode, it's a big one. 10 massive business idea mistakes. Okay, of course you're worried about your business idea. Of course you don't want to put a bunch of time and effort into building a business only to realize later on that there was a mistake built into the idea that will forever stunt its growth. Of course you don't want that. Okay, now think about your business idea like a boat. You're on dry land making your boat. You're designing and planning and strategizing. But you put it in the water and, oh my God, there's these little holes you didn't even see before. Okay? That's what this episode is about. Showing you where the holes would be so you can investigate further and be confident before putting your boat in the water. Okay? By the way, I'm not talking about a boat. I'm talking about your business idea. Hello? (laughs) Okay? Because the thing about business ideas is that there actually isn't, uh, isn't certainty. There's no such thing as certainty. There's only confidence. All right? There's no way to tell if a business idea is going to work with 100% certainty, okay? But you can find confidence enough to execute on that idea in a meaningful way. And that's what we're going to guide you through today in the form of 10 huge mistakes that we see people make all the time. In case you aren't familiar with what we do here, Fizzle is training for small business builders. That's the membership site that we run, fizzle.co. Over 40 individual courses, all of them yours for the price of about a dollar a day. But it's not just courses, it's also community. Membership gets you access to the forums where people are helping out. You get access to weekly coaching calls every Friday where an expert will help with your specific business questions. Okay, and you get access to the Fizzle Roadmap, which guides you through every step of setting up a business in a way that it's actually going to work. Okay, like I said, membership to Fizzle costs about a dollar a day. It's $35 a month. We wanted to make something affordable, not something that you had to take out a second loan on your house for or something like that. So, But as a listener of The Fizzle Show, you can try five weeks for free. We love our podcast listeners. You guys are our favorite not our, I mean, I don't want to say our favorite customers, but notoriously you come in there and you're awesome. So we got five weeks for free for you when you go to fizzle.co slash try five. All right. Follow along at home at fizzleshow.co slash 177. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. And I'm here with Corbett Barr, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it is an ongoing joke that every day is his birthday when we're on the podcast. And so happy birthday, Corbett Barr. Happy birthday, buddy. Hey, pal. Happy birthday. It's one of those ongoing jokes that, hey. <laughs> that just started this episode. Shh. Shh. We're just, making, we're just making history. You had to be there, I guess. We're, we're making history that it's always happened. <laughs> I, I, just I don't want people I don't, know that I, I had never have a single clue of what's about to come out of your mouth when you hit record. You know, and, and what, what more can we say about life, really? You know, it, it's, not, it's not for you to know, is it? You know, you're walking around, you're walking around trying, to, trying to know everything. No, you can't be done trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I also want people to know that if you... Say anything on Twitter, complimentary, <laughs> of Chase Reeves and his antics. You're going to get more of that thing. We did get, I got like two people who were just like, yeah, the Alan Watts was good. And that's all I needed to go like, I know, right? 
<laughs> so it wasn't just me. <laughs> totally. Um, so anything new? What's going on, Corbett Burr? Mm. I'm in the middle of a stretch here. Yeah. Where I just had man weekend. Yeah. Bunch of bros from college. Old bros. Just hold up in a cabin for four days to see what happens. Splitting wood, playing football. Science experiments and stuff. <laughs> um, and then next weekend. You know, knowledge. <laughs> just really thirsty for knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> Liberal arts kind of stuff. Um <laughs> Please never move on. Just keep saying a lot of like ketchup on pop culture kind of stuff. The, the humanities. <laughs> okay. Then, yeah. Then uh, the next weekend, uh, uh, rinse and repeat bachelor yeah. party. Bachelor party, rinse and repeat up in Tahoe with me for our mutual friend of ours. Uh, that'll be blast. It'll be a great time. So I'm in a stretch of eleven days where eight of those are party time and three of them are work days. Well, mostly science. <laughs> Sorry, did I say party? <laughs> You gotta be kidding me. You're doing two party weekends in a row? What? <laughs> that sounds crazy. You ought to get your transmission looked at, though. Seriously. Those things can... Yeah, if you're hearing a buzz and a click, that can go wrong. Lots of clicks. <laughs> Lots of clicks. Mostly in my knees and back. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. Mm. Me, on the other hand, uh, let's see. What's going on? Nothing. Summertime in Portland. It's finally warm. It's finally heating up. I'm like, where's the rain? Bring it back. I'm ready for <laughs> It'll it. It'll be here soon enough. I'm ready for it. Yeah, I, 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 I cherish that my friends all get to have their fun sun mo- moments. Do you sure. know what I mean? I know that you guys love that stuff. Oh, and you just hate the sun. I'm not a big fan because I want to sit in my room and write stuff. And yeah. when it's sunny outside, nope, not, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you... <laughs> You newish Portlanders are so cute. Yeah. Hey, man, 10 years is enough to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, after 20 something, you really start to you really start feel to differently need, about the rain. need the sun. Um, so on the podcast episode today, we've got a good one. Actually, this is part of a bigger, much larger uh, project that Corbin and I were doing together. And we're like, dude, let's do a podcast episode on this. So if all goes according to plan here, mm-hmm. this podcast episode is going to be embedded and a big, really amazing article. Yep. On the t- ten mistakes that you do not want to make when you're choosing a business idea. Yes. Right. Is this? I'm a, excited about this one. Is though. this a good business idea? Like yeah. this question that we all have. Hey, what about this? Is this a good one? Is this a good one? And we're all trying to be smart about, and we're all trying to judge other people's business ideas. We decided to go ahead and make our our list of like what we see. So many people bringing so many ideas to the table. And we're like, what are the common mistakes that we see? And and not just the common ones. What are the actual, like, it's important you don't make this mistake because likely your business idea won't succeed if. Yeah. And this is, this is you know, the first step in, in choosing a great business idea is like making sure that you're not making these common mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but when I was getting started, this process of evaluating business ideas happened a lot. Yeah. Because there were periods of incubation where you weren't actively working on a business, but you were just thinking about a bunch of different ideas, trying yeah. to rack your brain for which one is the best. Yeah. And a lot of times you just let let those kind of sit in there for a while. Mm, percolate them. About it, percolate them. And then um, also, um, you know, you might start a business idea and then later you realize you had made one of these mistakes. Yeah, you realize right? that, that, like, for instance, I, I mean, for me personally, with, with my, uh, I had a dad blog, Father Apprentice, and this didn't mean that the idea wasn't going to work. But it it was a thing that when it, that I when I realized it I was like, I think a lot of my enthusiasm for it started to wane mm-hmm. because I realized that uh, like one of the points that we'll be getting into 
uh, was true about it. Like, I don't know if these people can or will necessarily pay for things about being a better dad. Right, right, right. Right? You know, right. it's just not that kind of thing that men are growing up used to paying for help about. Right. Right? It's almost like right. works against it that and way. And so some of those, some of the mistakes that we're going to get into here are things that you wouldn't catch for like a year or two. You wouldn't catch until you're way, you're so deep into it. And that's, and that's the worst. That's the thing. You would, you are, you, even the dumbest among us would get all of these things by themselves. You would, you would, you would come up with these ideas by yourself if you had enough time of actually executing on your ideas. Corbett and I, through Fizzle and through our own projects, have just done a lot of execution. You know, not only of our own ideas, but of watching so many others, yeah. learning from so many other situations yeah. and just and really trying to give solid advice to people early on. So we've been forced into this world of I'm giving advice about things that there's not necessarily hard and fast advice about. There's not like an equation about if this business idea is going to succeed 100%, right. you know, uh, fault tolerant, yeah. right? There's no way for you to know. And that's hopefully maybe we'll, we'll, we'll be as smart as we hope to be and, and end it with with something like that. Mm -hmm. Because I think that's one of the the big the big takeaways from this. But we should probably just jump in with, with just a, a caveat that like for any of you who are thinking, is this a good business idea? I don't want to waste a bunch of my time yeah. building this thing. I don't want to uh, start up a business idea and then realize way down the road that like, oh no, there's way too much competition or I am just like not in my expertise here. Right. And you could either be in that ideation phase or you could be further along. Maybe you chose an idea. Yeah. And as you're listening to this, you hear that you made a couple of these mistakes or the yes. business idea falls into a couple of these categories then you need to do some like soul searching and, and yeah. decide whether or not those mistakes were big enough to warrant changing your business idea. Yeah. The, the last caveat is that business, a business idea can succeed even if it makes a couple of these mistakes. Yeah. You don't want to be making too many of them. Yeah. And you don't want to like, um, they're fixable and yeah. some they're pivotable. Yeah. You exactly. know what I mean? Like yeah. you might be listening to this and hearing one, it's like, oh dude, I never even thought about that. I might be making that mistake. You do a little research and kind of realize that you are, it's fixable. You can, you can, I, you can find a way to fix that in, in either your messaging or in coming at it from a different angle or in actually shifting the position of your, of your business idea without quitting and starting up a whole new business. You know, it, yeah. th these are all fixable problems if you're already deep in, into something. Right. But, uh, but if you have too many of these, like Corbett said, like it's very common to start up your first business idea or your first two business ideas and they don't work out because, because of some of these issues, some mm -hmm. of these, these things. And then once you learn them, that's why your third or second or fifth business idea yep. ends up being pretty, pretty like likely to succeed right because you've kind of learned where all the holes could be in your boat before you put it in the water exactly you know oh that was a good one. Oh, uh, you like that good yeah for a lot of people are trying to get to the other side of the river but who is looking at the holes in their own boat ladies and gentlemen i don't know <laughs> you know what corbett i am so blessed to be here with y'all um and i think this is going to be a neat neat topic to just get around the table and really kind of scrum up about it just a handful of brothers and sisters trying to figure out exactly where this boat's going to take us and if this boat is going to be capable of doing it, you know? And I just bless you and Chase on your journeys. Of, and, and I say, without further ado, 
Thanks, Let, Reverend Billy. Let's get into it. Yeah, Reverend Billy, that was like actually kind of stirring. Thank you. So the first one is choosing a business idea that no one actually wants. So this is like the biggest of the big. This is the biggest of the big. And and the example that I used earlier um, was X-rated. So <laughs> I'm going to use another example. Another example. We did a doodle on the board. <laughs> <laughs> another example. Uh, let's say that uh, you find yourself writing on a uh, whiteboard with a dry erase marker. And then you find yourself setting that dry erase marker down to grab your water bottle mm-hmm. and back and forth and back and forth. And you decide, man, why don't I just make a dry erase <laughs> pen with my water bottle attached to it? Yeah, that's a dry erase water bottle. Solved a problem. Solved the problem, right? Well, maybe nobody really wants that. <laughs> maybe nobody really wants that. Maybe right. you yourself would find out that, you know, down the road, it's just not that useful. It kind of makes the dry erase marker heavy. By the way, I, I'm looking at the board, and I, I can see Corbett what you do, what you doodled on there, and I think the d- was a better, better. Idea. <laughs> I hope you believe that. I'm, I'm gonna. So <laughs> that's only funny for us. It feels like nervous. Um, but this, okay. So listen, choosing a business idea, right, that nobody actually wants. All right, it does not address a problem, need. Or desire, right? I'm always trying to find like the most cohesive, like ironically, me, the most talkative son of a gun on the planet. I'm actually always looking for the most cohesive or, or, or compact language to say things. And I've I've tried to eliminate a couple of these from problem, need, or desire. But there's, I feel like with those three, I can I can identify every business idea by one of those three: problem, need, or desire. Right. So another way of saying this is you're not solving a real problem. Right. You're not addressing a real desire. Or yeah, you're not addressing something that already exists in the world because yeah. because the other big downside to this is you know we hear people all the time talking about an idea like a like a dry erase marker with a with a water bottle on mm-hmm. it and and they're just thinking to themselves you know people aren't looking for this thing cuz yeah. they don't know they need it yet yeah. but I'll just educate them yeah. I'll let them know why this is so useful yeah yeah tell and me if, more preach it and and if people aren't searching for something to begin with it becomes very expensive to uh try to tell people why this thing yeah. is so useful because you have to have a lot of their time you have to have like an infomercial mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. explain to them why this thing is so useful and and for most people that we're talking to, that's just an uphill battle to start with. Yeah, you are already starting as the little guy. You only survive if you're able to leverage, uh, if you're able to get to, to, so here's the thing. If you had an unlimited amount of resources, you can make the world need stuff, right? This is what the advertising industry is. Yeah. But even the things that they're advertising are built on a, a kind of a, a necessary need already, right. right? I think of all the Procter & Gamble companies or, yeah. or products. Well, and really what advertising usually does is they try to manufacture uh, demand for a problem or a product that exists with competition. Yeah. So yeah. they're trying to make your product You need razors, out. right? You need razors. Everybody who shaves needs a razor. So, with so you have a need already. Yeah, with advertising, they're trying to tell you why this razor matters more than another razor. And that's a need that's been around for a long time, so there's competition. Right. Whereas a lot of new businesses are starting with either a relatively recent or new need or some old need that might be getting refreshed in significant ways. Yeah. You know, I think I look at uh, how to win friends and influence people and and other personal development type things as like it's an old need, but it's there's a there's 
25 brand new self-help books on the shelf right now. Right. Right. Because that is constantly being regurgitated, like brought, we, it's, it's a pseudoscience. It's a soft science. We don't actually have the right answers to this. Otherwise we'd only need the one or two books. Right. You know? So, so there are some places where, where, um, where it's a brand new need though. Right. Like the joke we had before was like Pokemon go, uh, transportation, transportation services, yeah. right? It's a brand new need. Who knows if it works or not? Because it's a huge gamble. But you but could be still, the first one on the scene in some of it. Right. You know? right. But but that's likely still something that someone actually wants. Yeah, and it's and, and right. that's and it's a the guy who wants the water uh, water bottle whiteboard. He wanted it, and his gamble is other people are going to want it too. Yeah. So the so the the discipline of this one is doing a, doing the research, doing the due diligence of finding out if other people want this too. Right. Do other people really want this? And, the, and I, the reason why I think it's so important to think about it in the context or in the terms or through the lens of a problem, a need, or a desire is this gets you think, this can get you thinking what would they be looking for if they were looking for this? Where would they be looking for mm -hmm. it, right? And so you'd be able to go on Google and look at some basic keyword research and see who's searching for water bottle fucking <laughs> water bottle pen. dry erase pen issues <laughs> trouble suit you know whatever whatever right and and within short amount of time you're like nobody's buying that right you yeah. know um so I, there was i just think this is a like this this idea that 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 you've mentioned corbett that you can try to educate your market right there's 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 two things when you you might have heard you know copy blogger for example talk about how teaching sells teaching does sell but they're not talking about educating a market. Educating a market is like trying to tell people what they really need when they don't know they need that yet. Right. You want to find a problem, need, or desire, they already know they have. They know they have it, and they're actively looking for a solution for it. That's the best chance you have of success yeah, because your business only gets to succeed if you're leveraging this existing energy in the world. Tapping into that that motivation that people already have to find a solution. We need that. As yeah. a small business, you guys, we don't survive if we don't do that. If we don't if we don't tap into an energy that a need or desire or something that already exists because that's the motivation of millions of humans on the earth or just thousands or maybe even just hundreds. It doesn't have to be a lot of people, but it has to be enough to to like to necessitate uh every time i say necessitate i'm like i don't even have a gun let alone many guns that would necessitate a gun rack <laughs> oh that's a good one that is good uh, but this is a big deal this idea of like your business idea needs to be tapping into a problem need or desire that already exists inside of some humans out there yes a stati statistically significant portion of humans yeah and and uh, before you, you know, run with your business idea, you'd do well to figure out if that problem, need, or desire already exists. Yeah. One way to do that is to see if there are other products that are along the totally. same lines. Mm -hmm. Another way to do that is to have customer conversations. We have a whole course. We always say, um, you know, if there's competition on your thing, that's a good idea. That's a good, that's it's not, good. It's not necessarily a bad it's thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, you also said the customer conversations. Yep. There's another way to be talking to people. And uh, we have a whole episode of The Fizzle Show. <coughs> you got to be kidding me. On what? We do. Uh, titled, How Exactly Am I Supposed to Make Something People Want? Fizzle Unbelievable. Show, episode 121. 
we'll uh, I'll have put that, that in the show notes. Have that in the show notes. Okay, so that's our first one. That's our first one. Yep. All right. And and this idea of building something that people actually want it impacts every level of your business, from your product ideas to your marketing to your content that you need to be making to 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 sales and and what, how you write your conversion messages on your page to everything like that. Yep. Right. Yep. That's why we, we spend a lot of time on this one right now because it's the most important of yeah. all of these. It's sort of like if you double down on this, you probably wouldn't be making some of these other mistakes. That's not necessarily true. Some of these are kind of tricky. You wouldn't necessarily know it until you've done quite a bit of work in these. Yep. All right. What's number all right, two? Number two. This is another doozy. And that is choosing a business idea that you aren't capable of pulling off. Oh, man. This is so great. this is something that could be simply too big for you to execute. Give us a statistic that you uh, well made up. I mean, 100% of business ideas that aren't launched fail. Well, oh man, that's true. I actually remember reading that study that business ideas, of all the businesses that are ideas that aren't launched, you'd think it'd be lower, but 100% of them actually don't succeed. Yeah. They fail. They fail. You know, and th so this is this is biting off more than you can yeah. chew, basically, which is one of the biggest reasons why people don't uh, not one. No, I would I'll, I'll correct that. It's not one of the biggest reasons why it's a common reason why your business idea will never get off the ground. This is and this is this is why fizzle exists, because the reality is not that most businesses end up, you know, toiling away, creating a product, launching it and then going through this long period of trying to find buyers and yeah. blah, blah, blah. The reality is. Most businesses never even see the light of day mm -hmm. because they they fizzle out. They mm -hmm. fade to the background because somebody ends up hitting a bunch of hurdles because they tried to take on something that is just too big, too daunting, mm -hmm. too difficult, yep. takes too long, and so on and so forth. So, for example, yep. um, we talked in an episode a while ago about someone who wanted to um, create something that would compete with Duolingo in the yeah. language learning yeah. space. Yeah. And it's a noble idea, but you have to realize that a company like that has tens of millions of dollars of venture capital, yeah. hundreds of people working on the product. And mm -hmm. so for you as one person to compete with that effectively yeah. is a pretty big challenge. Instead, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'd love to see that person narrow things down. Yeah. So instead of picking, you know, something really huge, trying to make this like perfect product, that's really the tendency here, right? Yeah, yeah. Is to want to create a perfect product out of the gate. Oh, I like that. That I, yeah, like what you said before. That the tendency is to try to create this perfect product out of the gate, but the reality the reality is that the businesses that succeed are the ones that choose one problem mm -hmm. and address it really, really well. Yeah, okay. which is like so. For example, the different Duolingo is a language learning app, uh, you know app where it's teaching you any number of languages. Like it seems like there's 10 to 20 languages or something on there, right? Yep. So a good example of this might be just learning conversational uh, Czech or whatever. <laughs> I, don't know, I, I went for a, a country where I'm not even sure what language they speak. Oh. <laughs> but Czech. I didn't want to yeah, just yeah. say Spanish, which Czech. is the only sure, sure. language that I, that I actually know how to speak. But it's like that idea of like, you, we, you, you know, we are the best at teaching conversational Spanish in the shortest amount of time. Yeah. Or, that's a, that's a, a competing idea. Sure. You know what I mean? Or just, you know, starting a podcast that teaches you conversational Spanish or yeah. something instead of yeah. trying to engineer this entire software platform that has audio and video and written content yeah. covers beginner to advanced and like five languages, totally. all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, um, so choosing a business idea that you aren't capable of pulling off for us is our number two 
biggest mistake people uh, make when they choose a business idea. Biting off more than you can chew, punching too far above your weight. Every one of us can punch above our weight. I mean, you have to to survive in a small business world like ours, right? Because like for us at Fizzle, like we are are so limited in terms of resources and time and, 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 and team hours. And yet we're punching way above our weight, right? But there's to, there's just simply a reality that you can bite off way too much than you can chew. Yeah, and everything in business, all of these ideas are going to take longer and a lot more yeah. effort and money. And so time if you start out with a really big idea, like don't get me wrong, like have a big idea, but dissect it, break it into pieces. You know, like the tendency, like Corbett said, is you want to make a perfect product, but no, break it into the reality, which is like solve one problem from within that, the most important problem, yeah. but a specific and, and one that has a beginning, middle and an end. You solve that, then you have the chance to be earning revenue from that solution and start adding more, add, start like add on a separate part of the pro, of yeah. a different problem under the same umbrella. And over the course of 10 years, you're at your big idea. But you never would have gotten there if you tried to get to the big idea from the start. Yeah, and this really ties back into number one because the longer you wait to see if your business idea is something that someone actually wants, the more risk that's building over time. And you don't want two years to go by Mm -hmm. before you launch something to the public for them to tell you if this is useful or not. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to make that water bottle dry erase marker, Mm -hmm. do it in... Two weeks. <laughs> Every time you say that, I just see the picture on the wall. And it's, it's, not, hard. A it's, not, it's not a water bottle. <laughs> I love it. You guys can tweet to us at Fizzle and, and let us get, what are, you, what are your guesses? What are your guesses here? It has something to do with a whiteboard marker and. Yeah, you don't need to say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Terrific. All right. Number three is this. A huge mistake in choosing a business idea is you choose a business idea that doesn't stand out enough. It's not unique enough, okay? So like we said before, there's some problems that have been around for a really long time, right? Shaving is a great example. Like, hey, we got men want to shave, they're looking really good since the like 1800s or even long before that, right? Yep. And so, and so, so you know, the advertising as an industry was born in the 1800s. Um, and ever since then, razor blade competitors are just fighting tooth and nail for slivers more of the market share. Right. Right. Did you see that uh, Dollar Shave Club Sold got for purchased? a billion dollars. Yeah. So, so that's brilliant, right? Okay. Yeah. This is a perfect example of this. Yeah. So there are already how many razor manufacturers yeah. when yeah. Uh, Dollar Shave Club came out? Yeah. Like, like dozens. Do, I mean, dozens. Probably, probably, maybe there's only two massive players. Gillette and whoever else there is, yeah. right? But tons and tons of yeah. options. You go to any... And they're ubiquitous. Right. They're everywhere. Right. You you can't walk into a Rite Aid or a, or a uh, Walgreens or a Safeway or anything without there being razor blades there. Exactly. Right. You have access to unlimited amounts of razor blades. So any any problem that is established enough likely has a ton of competition. With razors, it was definitely true. Yeah. What they did right was they differentiated their service offering, their product offering yeah. from the rest of the razors in a couple of ways. The, mm-hmm. the main way was that it was a subscription thing, right? Yeah, yeah. So you're getting cheap quality razors delivered to you yeah. on a regular basis mm-hmm. instead of having to go and p- overpay for the Mach 7 or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. It's hot today. Right. And by the way, the Onion article on I'll try to find the piece that I read. I sent it to you. you I think you, you'd heard of him before. This this tech writer 
that I uh, I'd never read anything of his, and I was just like, dude, this is really good. Did you do you remember that? I'll I'll find it. I'll find it really quick. Uh, oh, Ben Thompson of Stratechery. Oh yeah, I, he I did an article on this, and and the the pull the quotes that he pulls out. I'll put it in the show notes about. Uh, you know, just bit, they just bits from their, their, the video, the like video that we all saw from, from uh dollar shave club yeah. where the CEO is walking through and going like our dollar, our razor's great. Yeah. They're, they're, they're no, they're amazing. Or <laughs> whatever yeah. he says. Right. It's so good. I'll so, put that in the show notes. So that's an example of basically they chose an impossible market, mm-hmm. you know, with massive established players that had distribution like you've never seen before. Yep. And basically two things made that business work. The uniqueness of the offering <laughs> yeah, keep and going. then just the brilliance of that ad campaign. Yeah. Those two things led to a billion dollar sale. A billion dollar. And, and then, but they Within executed. Span of like four years. People and who started ordering, sure. got the razors sure. and they're like a dollar a razor. You know what I mean? So it really is like a, a an affordable thing. Yeah. And, but yeah, they realized, and that's what this whole article is about, is the disruption of Dollar Shave Club in the, in the razor blade industry. And it was fascinating. Here's this, this great Onion article in 2004, <laughs> said, said uh, uh, titled, F*** it, we're doing five blades. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's um, from like what, Gillette's, uh, or P&G's like a product meeting or whatever. Yeah. Screw it, we're doing five, bl- five blades. The market? Listen, we make the market. All we have to do is put her out there with a little jingle. It's as easy as, hey, shaving with anything less than five blades is like scraping your beard off with a dull hatchet. <laughs> or you'll be so smooth you can snort lines off your chin. Or your neck <laughs> your neck is going to be so friggin' soft someone's going to walk up and tie a damn Cub Scout kerchief under it. Yeah. You know, I know what you're thinking now. What will people say? Mew, mew, mew. Oh, no. What will people say? Grow up. When you're on top, people talk. That's the price you pay for being on top, which is which Gillette is, always has been, and forever will be. Amen. Five blades, sweet Jesus in heaven. <laughs> the onion is my favorite thing in the world. The onion's pretty good. It's my favorite thing in the world. You know, we live in a world where we should be just surviving, but the onions over there just going like, it's all fun and games, people. Oh, it's it's I love it's lovely. Okay, so we're on this idea that that, that you're not standing out enough, right? right? So so, and we're saying that Dollar Shave Club stood out. And that's a perfect example of standing out in a very crowded marketplace. Yeah. Now, very, uh, very new marketplaces, new ideas, new problems, needs, or desires that you're solving, or ones that are fresh right now, potentially don't need to be doing anything very different to stand out. Sure. Right. If it's brand new. If it's literally Pokemon transportation services, yeah. yeah. Then you don't have to worry too much about differentiating yourself from the competition until the competition gets bigger yeah. and bigger. Like yep. we're seeing this in the in the marijuana space in mm-hmm. Oregon and Washington. There's so yeah. many growers now. Cannabis. We cannabis. like to cut, let's church, let's church it up a little bit. Oh, call sorry, it cannabis. cannabis. Yeah. Make it classy. <laughs> There's so much competition now. Yeah. Growers are having to differentiate themselves. But in the beginning, yeah. all you had to do was get a bunch of plants growing and yeah. boom. And this is how fast markets change. I mean, it was legalized Absolutely. here like months ago. Absolutely. You know, and now it's already like, wow, things aren't like they used to be. Absolutely. You know. So uh if you're going to choose a business idea where there is competition, you have to make sure that it stands out in some way so that you can give your customers a reason to choose your product over another one. Yeah. Otherwise, they won't choose and they'll just move on to the competitor who gives them a reason to choose. And that's really what standing out is, giving someone a reason why yeah. your thing matters more or in some other way than than another product. Yeah, I love that. So okay. that was number three. And and just in case you're tuning in today. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about, which, Corbett? Which is funny. I, I don't know why we 
why we assume that people are just tuning in like 20 minutes. No, they're not, but it's nice to, to put, provide that context on, on what we just said and what we're going to say yeah. by saying like, hey, we're going through these top mistakes that people make when they're choosing a business idea. Yeah. All right. And number three is choosing a business idea that doesn't stand out enough. It's not unique enough. And included in this is stuff that might feel too vague to... to uh, I guess I'll use vague. You know, what's very common is a lot of people want to start up this like lifestyle design blog. They want to start up the like learning to live from your passions blog. Right. Learning to this kind of, this is the mistake that that falls into. Totally. Is you are not standing out enough. It'll fall into other mistakes. You might not have any expertise in that. You're just on that journey yourself. Yeah. And, you know, and, and so... Uh, it might be making some other mistakes too, but it, it also is making this one, and it's a pretty big one because this impacts your findability, yep. whether or not people are going to be able to find you, and it also uh, in, impacts your conversion. Whether when they find you, they're clicking buttons, they're getting interested, they're subscribing. Yeah, it, they're, it's it's resonating with a need they know they have. Yep. Right, and that's yep. that's where you know you you're not standing out enough can be a huge red flag. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's move on to number four. Indeed, let's do. Number four is choosing a business idea where you don't understand the target customer enough. Okay, love it. All right. You don't understand the target customer enough. Okay, so listen, the people who are making, who are going to make you a success, you do not make yourself a success. All right, you do have to do a lot to be successful, but you don't make yourself a success. It's your audience, your customers, the people who come in droves, to click, buy, purchase, uh, subscribe, comment, yeah. uh, share. Those are the people who make you successful, right? And if you don't understand a group of people, your target market enough to make stuff that brings them in droves yeah. that and, and, and convinces them, that shows them, you know, then you're not going to survive. Understanding those people is how you make your business idea stand out. Mm -hmm. It's how you... Um, you know, choose a business idea that people actually want. Yeah. Because you understand the customer intimately. Ideally, you want to be able to explain your customer's problem better than they can explain themselves. Yeah, yeah. And, and this happens all the time. You might be thinking like, wait a second, that's impossible. But it happens all the time yeah. because customers are, you know, they've got a lot going on in their lives and they have this, this thing that's annoying them. Yeah. But maybe they haven't really sat down and spent you know, months thinking about this thing. It's just something that comes up and nags them every once in a while. Mm -hmm. And so you as the business owner, if you get to understand that person and a bunch of other people who are like it, him or her, mm -hmm. who have that problem, then you have this advantage of being able to synthesize all of that information yeah. and articulate it to them in a way that they'd never thought about before. And yeah. they're like, holy crap, this person really gets me. This business yeah. really understands that I'm tired of going to the store yep. to buy razors. Mm -hmm. I want to buy the razors And that is online. exactly the experience that most of us had when we saw that video from Dollar Shave Club, right? So let me see. I, I think I could I could find a um, where he excerpts some of the, uh, like, like saying things like this. Each razor, <laughs> yeah. So he's pulling out quotes from the video. I'm Mike, founder of Dollar Shave Club. What's Dollar Shave Club? Well, for a dollar a month, we send high quality razors right to your door. Yeah, a dollar. Are the blades any good? No, our blades are great. <laughs> you know? 
You know, uh, so he's like hooked you. He's hooked you. You're like, wait, wait, wait. This guy's having fun. Well, and also you're like, the, wait, a CEO of a company can't But just say wait, that? it gets better. Each razor has stainless steel blades and an aloe vera lubricating strip and a pivot head, head so gentle a toddler could use it. And do you like spending $20 a month on brand name razors? $19 go to Roger Federer. I'm good at tennis, like talking about the advertising. <laughs> I love this. And do you think your razor needs a vibrating handle, a flashlight, a back scratcher, and 10 blades? Your, hamper, your handsome ass grandfather had one blade and polio. Looking good, <laughs> Pop Pop. <laughs> you guys, it was oh. a, literally a triumph. Yeah. Of, and he was an improv guy. Totally. He was an improv guy and just a communicator dude who could just nail this thing. And what's he doing? He's reaching through the BS and telling us a truth that we all knew, but we didn't really know how to explain. Yeah. We were tired of the of the BS that the other razor companies were selling yeah. us, right? We, and, and we didn't know we were tired of it. And we were tired of Because we were trapped. 10 bucks or whatever every yeah. time you wanted to buy one. We were trapped in it. We didn't really know how to get out from underneath the shadow ourselves because we didn't know it was possible. We just thought this is how it is now. So, so Dollar Shave Club just really understood their target yeah. customer and they were able to explain the problem in a way that the customer couldn't even fully yeah. articulate themselves. Yeah, I, and it's such a big deal. So again, this is, and this is something that's come out of this, uh, this, I don't know, this whole process for me is this reality that like, yeah, as small business owners, we have to tap into this energy that exists out into the world, which is the motivation, the intrinsic motivation of people about a problem need or desire yeah that's the only like to me it's like that's the sacred thing there's so much other stuff you got to do but your business idea if it taps into that it it's very different from where if you're trying to convince people to be into something yeah you know that that trying to educate a market into existence thing right um and, and that's that tension, right? This is this is where we are now. There's a tension between things that that people are intrinsically, internally motivated about, and things that are low competition enough to where you can stand out in a short amount of time. Sure, right? The, this is the this is like sort of the tension that you're kind of working with this rubber band. You somehow. are, however, uh, you know, we're not trying to build billion dollar businesses here. No. If you were, you'd be going after something that's a massive market and yeah. that has like low competition that nobody realizes yet is a huge opportunity. Yeah. And it's great if you can find those things, but as small independent business builders, mm -hmm. we don't need to find that perfect sweet spot necessarily. Mm -hmm. We can do a lot of damage in an arena where it's clear that there's demand there. You're not yeah. trying to engineer something new. Yeah. Um, so with with this one, number four, again, which is choosing a business idea where you don't understand the target customer enough, this isn't something that necessarily has to be innate. You don't have to have like, you know, known these customers for 10 years. Yeah. You can learn this. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But you need to dive in and really start to, you know, get to know these people and yeah. the language they speak and, and the problems they face. And we got lucky for you. We have a whole course on this in Fizzle. Um, on understanding your target market, your audience. We do. Uh, we have a guide for it at Fizzle as well. On mm. the the the. That's a good one. The guide is is great because there's four little. Uh, I think there's there's four little uh, exercises in that one. But the the course obviously goes further. As a listener to the show, you can you can get in for five weeks free and take the whole course. And the course gets you into how do you research your audience? Where are they hanging out? What kind of words are they using? How can we think about them differently? I th still think it's one of the most, one of the more powerful things that I've ever made was just the the, uh, the lesson in there on services, the secret sauce, mm -hmm. which just fundamentally has changed a lot of people's minds about what business is about. So anyways, number four, choosing a business idea where you don't understand the target customer, right? 
Uh, number five then is choosing a business idea that doesn't tap into your personal skills or background or experience. Yeah. Okay. So that means you are bringing, you need to know this, especially in us indie business people, we are bringing so much of ourselves to the table. We don't show up with a three-piece suit and the gold buttons on the Navy jacket and a spreadsheet and the ability to, uh, and, a, and a strong sense of leadership and, and a, 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 the know-how to make a team run smooth and the hiring and firing process and this, that. We don't show up with any of that because none of that matters for us. It's nope. just us right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So we show up with our personal skills, our background, and our experience. Yes. And when you, when you pick a business idea, where you don't get to leverage some of that in a meaningful way, you are kind of, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. Totally. And, and, and the thing here is starting a business is this whole new adventure on its own. So you have one serious set of problems to deal with, yeah. which is just how do you get a business off the ground? Why are you going to throw away all of your skills and experience yeah. and knowledge on a topic um, and try to do both of those at the same time, gain all these new skills and learn how to build a business. Yeah. It's next to impossible. But the tendency is a lot of times, you know, you're tired of your job. You're tired of the life that you live right now. You want to jump into something. A smart, new. you know, a Pat Flynn episode comes across your desk. You're like, maybe I could try passive income. We could do this. I could yeah. figure something out. Yeah. So then you're going to start, you know, try to start a business, which means learning how to build websites and market and mm -hmm. create products. And at the same time, you're going to then have to uh, jump in and start learning some new topic. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. So um, the, the point here is that if you have some sort of really useful skill or some experience within a topic, see if there's a way for you to leverage that. Don't throw all of that away. Yeah. See if there's a way for you to leverage some of that within your business. It doesn't mean that you have to be an expert at the thing you're trying to get off the ground. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be an expert on razors yeah. if you wanted to start Dollar Shave Club. But it does mean that, you know, because we're often one-person businesses, you better at least have some of the skills it's going to yeah. take to get off that ground, like maybe making videos if, mm -hmm. you know, a video is going to be a key part yep, of your strategy. Totally. Or building websites or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I think an important thing that you said here was that um, you don't have to use all of these, your skills, your background, and your experience. It's not that you need all of those to be online for your business idea to be a good one. It's just that you need at least a little bit of this stuff. Yeah. Right? Because like you said, there's going to be so much to learn. And so either you know this topic really, really well, you know these people and this topic really, really well, because you've been struggling with it yourself for a long time. And now you're learning the the online business stuff. Yeah. What tools do I need to use? Right. How do I make a sales page? Right. How do I start a blog and get people coming to it? Right. Um, or maybe, you know, the, 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 how all the technology and blogging and business stuff, and you're just looking for a thing to, to sort of make your mark in, right? Exactly. A topic. So, so just because you don't have special skills and experience with your specific topic, doesn't make it a bad idea. But if you have to learn all of this from scratch, that's a, that's like, that's no bueno. Right. You're not like going to like that. You, you brought up Pat Flynn mm -hmm. um, as an example. His story is when he was fired from his architecture firm, he was like, crap, what do I do next? Yeah. He realized that he had spent a lot of time studying for this exam called the LEED exam, uh, which was an environmental you know, certification. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that other people probably wanted to learn that as well. So yeah. he started a website that taught people how to study and pass that lead exam. Yeah. And so he may not have had all the skills to build the website and all that kind of stuff, but he had the knowledge of the exam and his experience there. So he was able to pull that off. And, and I would hope that, 
and and we've seen this time and time again. We yeah. say a lot of times that the one of the biggest determining factors about whether or not a fizzle member will succeed is do they bring some skills or experience yeah. to the table yeah. that they can leverage going mm-hmm. forward. Totally. So this is a big mistake. If you have some skills, experience, talents, whatever, yeah. see if there's a way for you to incorporate those into your business idea. One caveat on this, it made me wonder, what about this leading learner thing? Online, there's this model of like, you don't have to be an expert from the start in this, like I'm teaching people how to make their own boat, maybe by hand. Yeah. I don't have to be an expert in that necessarily, right. but I can be uh, I can be sort of documenting my process, saying here's the things I wish my instructor would have told me or yada, yada, yada beforehand. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's just simply an example of your you, yeah you you're bringing some other expertise to the table there's something some skill background or experience that you have that you're bringing to the table even if the topic itself is brand new to you yeah you know so, so in that case and and by the way if if you don't have any skills or experience or whatever you you don't have a choice it's fine yeah you know reinvent you know start from scratch mm-hmm. because you have to um, but in that case if you're going to be a leading learner then if you have skills in writing or website design or yeah. making videos or something like that, then bring that to the table. Yeah. It also can mean choosing the right channel and the right kind of product or service. Mm-hmm. So even if you're talking about you know camping or backpacking or something, you have no experience there, you're going to be a leading learner. Yeah. Use the skills that you do have so that you tell that story more compellingly. Yeah, and I think that, that that's a good, I mean, we were thinking about who are good at, Corbett said, like leading learner, yeah, but it's just notoriously difficult to do. And I think actually I would add to that or qualify that with, it's notoriously difficult to do and get really, really successful from it uh, in a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. I think it's very easy to do if you allow yourself 10 years to be an expert in this thing. Because I, I mean, five years of taking seriously any given thing yeah. and you know more than 95% of people in that thing, right? Oh. Except for potentially, you know, uh, physics. But even then, you would know so much more than the average person right. that you are so much, so valuable as a translator of those ideas, yeah. right? You notice how, how academics just talk to each other and like they are using shorthand because they don't, they don't need to explain this theory and that theory and this, that, and the other. But that's why when I read it, it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And so I find this translator like Science Mike or somebody who's like giving me that that stuff and it's so valuable because he's not a million steps ahead of me. Sure. He's just a hundred steps ahead Absolutely. of me. You know? So anyways, that's number five, choosing a business idea that doesn't tap into your personal skills, background, or experience. What's number six, Corbett? All right, number six is choosing a business idea that you are not going to want to run. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well- a lot of us jump into an idea because we're enthusiastic about it as a business opportunity, yeah. only to find out months or sometimes years later that this is just not a business model that I enjoy on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis because maybe it doesn't support my lifestyle. Maybe I don't like the customers. Maybe I don't like the the product that I have to create or maintain yeah. or whatever. It just becomes mundane for some reason. Yeah. Now, you like to say that everything becomes a job eventually, and I that's do. true to some degree. Yeah. But if you're evaluating different business ideas yeah. and you have the option of choosing one that is going to be the kind of business that you like to run in the future yeah. because it 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 allows you to live the right lifestyle or you get to, you know, uh, maybe you're reviewing bags, for example, and you get a bunch of great sample products and mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah. That keeps you motivated. It's just going to be the kind of business that you want to run. So yeah. the the way to mitigate this is just to think in the future what does this look like if it's successful yep. a couple yep. of years from now? 
Yeah, I think that's really, really important. That's something I heard, you know, in Fizzle, we, uh, in the membership area, we have these, a big list now, a big long list of, of interviews with founders. We call them founder stories. They're, they're, they're in-depth interviews like you'd hear somewhere else, um, potentially, but ch- chances are we're going to get into different questions because it's Corbett and I and Barrett n- interviewing, interviewing everybody. Right. And we're mm-hmm. normally drinking cocktails. Um, so you get, you get these deep stories on it. Uh, another reason to sign up for Fizzle if you haven't if you didn't know that already. But one uh, one I remember is Jason Glassby. He said he was building something, and it just one day it dawned on him: if this got successful, I would hate my life. Yeah. Like if this actually, because I think that ideas, your business idea. This is something I feel very strongly about. Your business, your business idea. Eventually, if it starts to become something, it starts to become its own thing. Yeah, you're then managing kind of like a parent and a child. You're sort of you're sort of helping shape. So, but there's a lot of 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 natural things that are happening. You know, I'd say that that's been my experience of Fizzle completely. What the audience starts to want, like you can't control anymore. Yeah, and you start to get sensitive to it. And, and be more of a shaper of it. And, you know, this is this is really common because it, it's a lot like relationships. You know, mm-hmm. how many of us sit down before we uh, find a spouse and like create a checklist of what yeah. would make a, a compatible person yeah. in the long run? Mm-hmm. None of us do that. Yeah. We get excited and, and fall in love, yeah. you know, um, in, in the beginning. And, and this happens with business ideas as well. So you would do well to sit down and just write out a list of three to five years from now, if yeah. my business is successful, what attributes would I want? What would I like my day-to-day to be like? Yeah. How would I like to interact with the customers? What sort of maintenance would I like to have to engage in? Now, the, the thing that that kind of triggers for me, a worry, and, and I think there's an easy way around this, is is like, for instance, if I would have written down what, what would have made me uh, uh, happy in a spouse, I wonder how many things how many uh, blindnesses I had at that age that I was writing that thing. Sure. You know, because the person that I am when I have that spouse is actually different than the person I was when I wrote that list. Right. So something to keep in mind is just like realizing that this is a soft list that can be totally, it's written in pencil. It's written in pencil, but the intention is excellent of like, what would I really want my life to look like? And either I have a business idea in hand and I'm wondering, is this going to be the kind of thing that that I could be be happy in, right. or I don't have a business idea in hand, but I'm just thinking about would I want to be you know at the head of a company? Would I want to be sort of uh you know having started this company, but then have a CEO that actually works it, it, it runs it for me, and I'm more of like the marketing director? Right. Do I want to be like where or do I want to just be completely on my own with a little think tank of 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 people that I'm employing? Yeah, or you like know? you know maybe you feel like you want to be a, a speaker. Yeah, but then you realize, wait, being a speaker means I have to travel like to four travel times everywhere. a month. I have to constantly be trying to sell, yeah. you know, new gigs. Yeah, yeah. I don't have any continuity. There's all these, you it's, know. Yeah, notoriously, that's that's like a very common thing is you didn't really think about what it would look like, and especially with speakers, you didn't really think about it. And the founder you know? stories, like you said, they're just they are fantastic for unearthing some of this as well. Yeah, to start to hear, you know, sort of the background. Well, this is why we have the kind of the the kind of uh, perspective that we have. All we're doing right here is giving you perspective. We're just giving you perspective that you haven't earned yet. We're we're making these things make. We're trying to make these things make sense to you because either they started making sense to us naturally, or we've seen them in other people's stories. Absolutely, closely at Fizzle, or our close friends who have real businesses. My friends who are VC backed. Now I see so much about more about what it means to be VC back. Right. My close friends who are 
selling just a product at a time, like I see so much more what that looks like. Yeah. And you see that they're actually, like my favorite uh, thing to say is there's no way to win. The only question is what kind of adventure you want to have while you're losing. True. <laughs> I have been Chase Ward with Rich. No. Um, so, so this question <laughs> this of... This has been Life Has No Point with Chase Wardman Reeves. <laughs> okay, that was number six, right? Yeah. Okay, what's number seven? All right, number seven is choosing a business idea because it seems like the easiest option. Oh, we both kind of like let out like a yeah when yeah. we when we realized that this is this totally deserved to be on this board. Yeah, and and we all probably have friends who have jumped from one business idea to the mm -hmm. next. They have this like chronic entrepreneurism sort yeah. of thing. They where, read they read the four hour work week, and then they're just like it's supposed to be easy. And they're just looking for that easy get rich quick kind of thing yeah. where you know they move from because they heard an ad, a radio ad about flipping houses. Yeah. Or somebody yeah. told them about this multi-level marketing thing yep. or whatever, mm -hmm. or they, they picked up the latest issue of entrepreneur magazine and there's 50 hot business ideas that, you know, you can get off the ground in three weeks. And you less. admit it. That's the kind of thing that you were, you sure. were sort of interested in. I was, I got into multi-level marketing, right? I got it. I sold Mona V. Come on, bring it on. I took it. <laughs> yeah. Mona V was a shot of a Cyberry stuff. First time I took it, I had diarrhea for five days straight and I was like, this stuff works. <laughs> <laughs> and we sold it to all of our friends. We tried to. None of our friends had money. None of our friends were willing to pay. Yeah. Right? So so the the big point here is that this is a red flag. Yeah. If if you are looking for a business idea because it's going to take minimal effort to get off the ground, yeah. it means that you're going to struggle all along the way. And this makes me realize like if a business idea finds you from a list of business ideas. Like if you, if you, uh, if, 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 if someone reaches out to you, oh bro, you got to check this out. It's really easy. Or if someone like brings a, the multi-level marketing idea or something to you, any business idea that finds you in that way yeah. is suspect. Yeah. But the idea, cause what you're looking for is the idea that kind of comes from the inside out. Well, or, you know, I think there's a difference between an idea being uh, really easy versus an idea being a really great opportunity. Yeah. It could be that an, an idea comes to you from a friend or a magazine or something mm -hmm. and you realize it's a huge opportunity Yeah, and that can be fine as long as you're willing to do the work to get it that off the ground. Yeah. Because a lot of yahoos are going to be like, oh man, that's, that's a great opportunity. I'm yeah. going to try that. Yeah. And then they're going to wash out. Which is why there's a seminar for every, like there's a seminar full of people trying to do this franchise exactly. or trying to do this thing. So the, the, the red flag, like Corbett said here is if you find yourself looking for the easiest option, what that's, what that is, it's you kind of being honest with yourself that you don't want to do a lot of work and that even the easiest option that you could possibly find is going to require a lot of work to be successful. Yeah. In fact, these very easy options to get off the ground can be much more difficult to be successful than a harder business idea that to get off the ground, but you could potentially find more success in it later on. Right. Much easier. Right. The question is, the question is, is how difficult it is a very important thing to you that isn't the sign of an uh, awesome entrepreneur. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just isn't because the things that we'll get to this in number, uh, in number nine, the, 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 well, actually I'll just kind of save it for number nine, I guess. In, in that, like your personal insight that you bring to this, and this isn't what number nine is. I'm leaving you on the hook information Ooh. gap. You got to wait for it. Um, but like, if you're looking for the easiest thing, you're leaving a lot of yourself behind mm -hmm. and you, you're just, you need yourself to make a thing successful. Yeah. You know, that's, what's going to make you stand out. Yeah. Nothing, that's one of the elements. Nothing less than like 110% 
you know, all in this that's is going to make a business. Experience. Yeah. And so wait for number nine on, on a little bit more, more for that. Before number nine. Before number nine, we have number eight. Ooh. If you're, uh, you, 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 if you're counting along at home, <laughs> you know, you're, you know, you're a redneck. If you're building a business idea that customers can't, won't pay for. All right. Uh, this is a red flag. Um, when you're trying, when you're choosing a business idea, you want to ask yourself these two powerful questions. All right. Yeah. And it's very simple. Can they pay and will they pay? Yep. In some ways, I'm like, should this even be on this list? But in other, but like that was just a split second because it's super self-evident. Oh, yeah, of course, a business idea. You got to make sure that they can and will pay. Duh. You know, right. but you'll be amazed how easy it is to forget to ask those questions. Yeah, because, you know, we we started off this list talking about building something people want. Yeah, that's a noble cause. Yeah, but. There are a lot of things that people want that they're not willing to pay for. And it's becoming, yeah. that pool is becoming bigger and bigger by the day because, you know, technology makes it easy to create a oh lot my of God, yeah. things that are free. We, we have access to anything we could possibly want and we're less likely to pay for it yeah. in some ways, right? Because I'm not going to make my lifestyle about that thing. To me, this was an exa- uh, this is what the lesson learned at Father Apprentice when I was doing a dad blog and it was like, can they pay? Yeah, a lot of these guys could. But will they pay? And for what? Now, I could easily find other things they're willing to pay for. They're willing to pay for entertainment. They're willing to pay for, they're like willing to pay for a Louis C.K., uh, you know, uh, right. special where it's like halfway but, but how to be a dad. But are they going to pay for a course a on course how to be a, on how to be a dad? For me, I was like, the kind of guy who's willing to pay for that actually isn't the kind of guy that I'm passionate about. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So, it, it, like, I realized the logic of that conundrum, even though I, I could also, in one in, in one hand, I'm having that, that logic, and in the other hand, I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm not so certain about this, so it, I could be surprised, but even still, I'm like, you know what? This kind of cloudies, muddies the whole water about this enough for me to go, this isn't my future, and if I do something in the dad space later on, a, a space that I'm... I'm like uh, uh, the people that I'm very passionate about because I personally have left lots of pieces of my arse along the road learning how to do this stuff. Passionate about these people, but I wouldn't do it as an as a course or a thing like that. Yep. Personally, I could potentially do it as a book. I could potentially do it as a stand up career. I could potentially do it in a lot of things, but just not in the way that I had been like kind of trained to do it. Yeah. Right. So it was almost a front. It was almost a front, but this is, so, so this one, just, you just needed a place to get on camera. I did. You didn't. I, I absolutely <laughs> did. I didn't know any of this when I was starting it. Right. But even once I realized it, I kept doing it because it was just like, it did feel good to, to, to use these muscles to build the, and they, they came in handy. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so this idea of number eight is, is choosing a business idea that customers can't or won't pay for. And, uh, I don't know if you, uh, uh, I don't think you mentioned the college students is the n- notorious example of this. Yeah. Right. Notorious example that you're a college student or you're just graduated a college and you're like, you know what was really hard? This or that or that. It's a real problem. Yeah. It's a real need. It's a real desire. But you ask that question, can they pay and will they pay with any kind of honesty? Yeah. And you'll realize like, no, they're too busy paying no. for beer and video games and entertainment. Yeah. And fun with their friends. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that but that doesn't mean that that maybe you can get their parents to pay for it. Then you're marketing to the parents in right. some ways. Right. Um, so so that's that's one of those examples of like notoriously can they pay? Will they pay? Uh, doesn't get asked about college students and it could save a lot of time and money. Yep. Okay, number nine. Ooh, ooh. We're finally there. Oh, number nine. Even though we have one more after this. Oh, we do. It's true. It's yeah. True. Number nine, choosing a business idea that you don't care enough about. 
Okay? Now, care, not passion, care, and uh, when we say, and so first of all, I'll, I'll clarify that. And then second of all, I will clarify uh, what specifically am I caring about? So care is you have a sense of empathy. You have a sense of importance. You have a sense that this matters, right? It's not necessarily passion, uh, though, though it can be hard to distinguish between the two. But to me, I can feel very tired about my business idea, but care still very deeply about, uh, about the people that are in it, about the problems that I'm solving. And that is enough for me to keep going when the rubber hits the road. Okay, so first of all, care. And then second of all, you can care about the people. And I think that's where you're going to get the most insights. But you can all, because some people care about being, most of us probably care about being successful. We really care that we don't show, show up to the family reunion as a failure. Yep. You know, we really care about that. So we got some personal stuff on the line. But that's not the same as caring for your audience. Yep. That's not the same as caring about this issue in the world. Right. And I think that that, though, a subtle difference can make all the difference in the world in terms of, of the kind of entrepreneur I'm willing to back. I think if I was a VC, if I was like, I've given all the businesses that I've seen, I've seen myself now. I'm like, yeah, I can tell the difference between an entrepreneur who is sort of speaking or, or, or operating on a more base level of right. intention right. versus those that are more interested in succeeding. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a balance here because I've, I've seen it work against people when they're, they care so much about an idea that they're yeah. blind to the flaws yeah. In and normally, execution. I normally like it's hard to tell, but normally it's like that's just that if you cared that much about the people, you'd see that uh, that you'd see the problems that your execution is is having. Yeah, in yeah, some yeah. Ways, right? and, and and yeah, it's some sometimes it just comes to down to being self centered about it. Um, but you know, you you need to care. It doesn't have to be your number one thing. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the only thing you care about. Yeah. But you have to care about it, it mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and this is, again, this is another one of those things where if you don't care about an idea enough, you'll see this evident in you losing steam and momentum yeah. after just a couple of months. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you say before it was like uh, the, 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 er, like you're, it's easy to have passion and enthusiasm early on in a business idea. Yeah. But six months, 12 months, 18 months later, yeah. 24 months later, after you're like, like kind of like you've been in the dip for a while. Yep. Do you still feel like this problem is important enough? This when is the, yeah. This is when something. When the going gets tough, like where do you find the motivation? And that's where your care is a t absolutely an advantage. It's an unfair advantage. If you come into a marketplace that's crowded, but you literally care more than other people, yeah, you have an advantage. Yeah, and this is again not. This is caring. This can be caring about the idea. Yeah. About the audience. Yeah. It it can be caring about the you know the, the mission, the, 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 the there are the lots problem. of different things, but it's just, you know, having some sense of like I can be invested in Of this. course you care about being successful, right. right? Of course, but that's not enough. Yeah. That's not the care we're yeah, talking about. It's not about. just about yourself. It's about it's actually an it's actually an intuition and an empathy about these people, about this problem. Um and and this to me is one of my things that I'm most personally passionate about. When I find an entrepreneur who's into this, somehow like they're into their thing. We were I was talking with my tan on uh on, on Fizzle Friday and she's just doing gardening in her in her Mitan. kids Mitan, in her kids schools in in San Diego. Yeah. And she's passionate. She cares about it. She's and she's just volunteering. I know. This is the, this is what it looks like when you and she's just like, "So I'm wondering maybe I can do more. Maybe I can do more." 
And when you find yep. yourself asking that, yeah. then it's like, okay, we're talking about the real kind of thing. That's a great foundation. Yes, it is still going to be incredibly difficult to execute because it doesn't, you care isn't enough. Right. I want to make sure that I'm very clear on that. Yep. Care isn't enough. I'm saying so much about care because I find it to be actually really, really rare amongst entrepreneurs. Um, and it's such a powerful advantage. I, I think it's, it's so big, but it also isn't enough on mm -hmm. its own. You will still have to execute. You will still have to understand your audience. You will still have to be making something that people really, really want. You will still have to be doing all of these other things. But it is such a big advantage and one I think that can correct all the others when you have this you can you you're willing to work with all the others to make it to make it it fit right yeah okay now finally number 10 Ooh, get into 10. it all right number 10 is choosing a business idea that you can't explain simply hold on slow down i don't understand what you mean your words i like, do you see that jim jeffries bit on uh no. i like trump he's a straight talker <laughs> he talks he talks straight <laughs> and he's saying if you've said that you're a freaking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. He uses words I understand. Because <laughs> no one understands him. And he's got this great bit. And then he does that Jim Jeffries bit's amazing on, on Trump. It's really good. It's more than just a scalding thing. Mm. It gets really good. I'll try to find it and put it in the show notes. Okay, nice. keep right. going. Okay, so uh, number 10, again, is choosing a business idea that you can't explain simply. We hear this all the time from people who are trying to articulate this idea that they have swirling around in their head that they haven't quite distilled down enough. Yeah. And this doesn't mean that your idea is doomed. Yeah. It might just mean that you're not quite there yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because if, if it's too complicated, if you can't explain your idea simply enough, it means it's probably too complicated, too vague mm -hmm. for you to identify a, a really specific problem, a specific group of people and to create a product that will serve yeah. that specific audience in that specific way. Yeah. Because yeah. It's just it's just too broad at this point. You yeah. haven't boiled everything, and you down. need to realize that 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 okay. So, for instance, if you took the care, if you took if you knew you're you're on something that people really want, you have a hunch like this is something that people really want. It's a problem, need, or desire that is real that they have internal motivation about, and yet, uh, and it's something I personally care about, right? Uh, about the problem and about the people, not just being successful in it, and yet it's still hard to communicate in a very clear and concise way well, that's that's fine. That just means you're on the road. That just means you're in process about this thing. That just means that like uh, either there, like, so either there isn't a real problem there because it's 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 hard to make simple. It, you have to make it simple enough to work is what I'm getting to. Yep. This, is a, this, is a, this is a part of the logic of making it work. Even the most complex products, there's a way, there's, there's, a, there's a, <laughs> a baby boomer in a boardroom that has to be sold on it before the purchase happens, right? And that guy or gal needs it to be simple in some, some way, right? So not that there is only one simple way of communicating it, not that there's only one way of communicating your idea, one elevator pitch, but this is one of those things that if you cannot explain your business idea simply enough, it doesn't mean that you're connecting with every single person you tell it to. Right. That's different. That's different from being able to say it in simple language. Okay? Because what we're talking about is you can explain it to someone who actually has that problem. Um, and, and and there's something that happens. I don't know. Personally, I've noticed this. There's something that changes when I go from trying to convince people 
who don't necessarily have this problem to just speaking matter of factly so that if this person has that problem, they're going to know it immediately. Right. Right. That's the difference. That is a, and it's a really big difference for me. Yeah. And, and this goes back to um, earlier when we mentioned that ideally you want to be able to explain the problem yeah. to your customer better than they can explain it themselves. Yeah. So if you're having trouble articulating it, if you feel like, oh man, if I could only yeah. have five minutes, mm -hmm. I could really explain this problem. You, yeah. You have to realize that you're not going to get that opportunity. Because this is the thing, guys, we're talking about a business, all right? We're not talking about the truth and we're not talking about you being a fixed person. So for instance, yesterday I had an experience with a, with a, a, a tr like a, a spiritual lecture from Ram Dass that to me just completely put into perspective so much of what I've been fighting through and struggling with, right? Huge. And he couldn't, he wasn't able to explain it simply, right? But he wasn't selling me something. He wasn't trying to get me to a page to click a button to get on the list to do the thing, right? He wasn't selling me a thing. Right. And he could have probably told me about the thing fairly simply enough. He could have said, are you finding yourself dealing with this, this, and this? Well, it, chances are it's because of this. And I'm going to tell you all about it in a way that's going to actually connect. That, that would have been simple enough. So to me, that this, this idea of you can't explain things simply, this is a necessity we put on ourselves when we're trying to create a business. All right. There's a lot of things that you don't have to explain simply. Yeah. Right. But you also could probably do But you're in those situations. You're not asking someone to click the button. You know, that's that's all. That's what's on us. We have that responsibility. Yeah. And just realize, like, you, you know, you're not going to have uh, that long to reach people. We live in yeah. this world of we see tweets and, you know, headlines and things yeah. like that. And and your idea at, at the end of the day is going to have to live and die probably on the basis of a couple of sentences. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that happens that that counts not only for customers, but also for potential employees, potential investors, partners, mm -hmm. anyone who's coming in contact with your business is going to have to understand it. And it's just a big red flag if you can't explain it. If you feel like, oh, if I just had five minutes to, to tell you what this is. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know, totally. Totally. After, after, you know, two, two sentences. Yeah. Okay. So that's all 10 of, of the, of our answers to the question. Like, is this a good business idea? Yeah. Well, does it, how does it do on these 10 issues? How does it do on these 10 things? Because these are huge mistakes that we see people like thinking aren't a big deal. Mm -hmm. They just, they'll just like have, they don't realize that they're making these mistakes and they keep plodding along. And that's cool because they're going to find out that they're mistakes and chances are they're either going to be fixable or they're going to have another idea to try after that. But these are also the reasons why someone's business idea fails and they never pick up being an entrepreneur ever again. Yeah, and if you if you grab this list and just make sure that with whatever idea you're thinking about, you aren't committing these mistakes yeah. or you're not committing more than one of them, you know, yeah. or, or one of them you feel like you can mitigate somehow. Totally then you're going to be in pretty good shape. You're going to be in way better shape than you would have been and way better shape than the average person is. Yeah. So uh, this is a great start. Now, remember that a business idea is just the first step. Yeah. And yeah. there's this whole other thing called execution, yeah. Yeah. which is pulling off the idea, which mm -hmm. is building the product and finding the people. And uh, as Derek Sivers likes to say, ideas are just a multiplier of execution. Yeah, your execution is actually your integer. Your 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 uh, your idea is just a m multiplies that. Yeah, you know this is something that I that I that I've seen in in others, and and I'm enamored by. I'm, I'm amazed by the success that they've had. Right, so I look at them. I'm like, this is not a very like a, an outsized intelligent person. This is not someone who is brilliant or or anything like that. 
they're just phenomenal at getting ideas done. And and this is the thing, like when, if you find yourself going, oh, you know, why are they successful? Like that was yeah. a dumb idea. I could do that. Yeah. Or if you find yourself at an art gallery and you go, I could have painted that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What you're totally missing about life mm-hmm. <laughs> is yeah. that it's not about the ideas that you have. It's about what you actually do with them. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for that person to get that painting on that wall, it was probably seven years of schooling yeah. and 10 years of doing that nobody cared about yeah. and until they- until Five they got, years of shaking hands with gallerists. Yeah. And, and then finally getting it on the wall. And the, and the same is often true of that business idea that seemed really simple. Yeah. Somebody finally found an idea that was simple enough that they could pull off, that they could understand yeah. the customer, yeah. that they could build something that people really want. And a lot of times that simplicity is key. And that's why number 10 matters. And that's why execution is so important. Yeah. So all of these are just uh, are just ways for you to test your idea. And your idea actually isn't even that big of a deal in some ways. I mean, obviously, you're, you're sitting there going like, my idea is everything. My business idea is everything. And it matters a great deal. It matters a lot. But I have found that business ideas are way less expensive than people who can actually execute them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it's like you, you, and I like, I think you, the, the challenge is an idea, I think for me has always been finding an idea that makes me an executor because right. I lose heart about stuff. Again, yeah. I get, it feels old after a while. Yeah. I didn't really care enough about it. And so that's where I think that care about understanding the audience, yep. about making something that people actually want yeah. because you have some personal empathetic reason uh, or intuition about this thing yeah. can turn you into an executor when you care enough about it. Yeah, the best idea isn't one that's clever. It's mm-hmm. one that you can execute on yeah. for month after month after month. Yeah, we got nothing else to add over here. You guys just got a full-on download. That was a that was good. That's good stuff. I hope so. If you do your if, if everything's right, you're gonna go to the show notes on this page and there's gonna be a big old article there. Yeah. And probably a worksheet. Mm, maybe a link to an onion article. Probably probably an onion article for sure. Well definitely yeah, definitely an onion article. <laughs> I'm definitely gonna do that. I have been Chase Wardman Reeves. I've been Corbett Barr. And we'll see you there. Or we'll see you on another time. Okay. So there you have it. All right. God, that is so annoying. The all right thing is still so annoying. Fizzleshow.co slash 177 is where you're going to find a very special form of the show notes today. Okay, because each one of these mistakes is explained in depth if I've done my job right. (laughs) And if Corbett's done his job right, um, you're going to land on fizzleshow.co slash 177. Find an excellent article. Find this podcast. Find any conversation about this topic. So if you have questions, you can ask him there. And uh, if I did do my job right, there is going to be a resource there that uh, that is we found to be extremely helpful for people inside of Fizzle to help them figure through their business idea. Okay, and of course, if if that's not there, then there's going to be the free business toolkit, and that's always available on the site across the site for ridiculously helpful guides for indie entrepreneurs. Because hey, you don't have to do this on your own, and you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Let somebody help you for crying out loud free for you at fizzleshow.co slash 177. Here's an iTunes review from Nikki Schmickies in Madarasha who says, 
What makes Fizzle Show unique is the intelligent, meaningful, and highly professional approach to sharing the knowledge about building a business online. When I had hard times on my entrepreneurial journey last year, this podcast always brought me to the good mood and strengthened my confidence. Musical intro by Chase is the best. She just adds that right in the bit. Hey, thank you. Thanks, Nikki Schmickies. I really appreciate it. And dear listener, if you haven't yet, leave us an iTunes review. Come on, it helps other people find the show. Uh, and, and it's kind of like my one little place that I get to see feedback from the show. And you know that I'm an insecure little person who needs who needs some help every now and again. Just a little bit of encouragement. to Leave us an iTunes review if you're so inclined. You just open up the iTunes store, search for Fizzle, and click write a review. It's even easier in the podcast app, the iTunes podcast app. May you have a roof for the rain and walls for the wind. And may you find something solid to put your foot on as you take the next step. Find care, take care, serve hard, and dig in. Thanks, and I'll talk to you next Fizzle Friday.